Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Rebecca Mazzino and with me is Tara Tuttle and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi and welcome to the show. Today we are celebrating our 100th episode. Can you hear the fireworks going off? (laughs) Um, So we decided for our 100th episode, we would give you a few of our little life hacks, some of our tips and tricks that we swear by. And also we are answering a few of the questions that our lovely Facebook community have put to us. So not one particular theme today but we're jumping around a bit from place to place and we hope you enjoy it yeah and what we're probably going to do is i'm going to celebrate our hundredth by not really editing very much (laughs) that's my present to myself for our hundredth birthday and so there's going to be probably more mistakes and more ums and more teeth thinking yeah um because i'm not going to i i'm going to give myself the gift of not having to edit as much <laughs> and so this might be a long episode and an episode with you know little gaffes in it that we normally wouldn't have maybe when we first started recording which feels like about 15 years ago but mm. is only about two beck yeah. used to keep a blooper reel so as she would edit out all of our stuff ups she would put them all together in a file and i think you did you ever release it or did you no. just play it uh, to Oh, me? no, I didn't. I didn't release it. I think in our community group I recently did a little clip of me trying to start a sentence, um, <laughs> <laughs> which was torturous. But I don't think I ever released a blooper reel. I think maybe I – actually, maybe we did in the – in the community group right at the start, I did put a little blooper thing up, but I don't keep them anymore. I don't have time. I just sort of like, oh, that, that well, can go. Um, so they're sort of, the bloopers don't get kept anymore. I probably should keep no, them. No, no, no. Because yeah. that was, it was like our first five episodes or something. And we yeah. were trying really hard to be professional and speak well <laughs> then. Now we just, you know, bluff our way through it. <laughs> and there were heaps of bloopers and heaps of stuff ups. And you probably there still couldn't. are. I think there's just as many. You couldn't release now because we probably swear swear more <laughs> when we stuff up now than we did back then. Uh, yeah, possibly. I think there's plenty. I think, to be honest, I think we have a similar amount of gaffes now and we swear a similar amount now. But I just edit them out so we kind of forget about them. Mm. Um, I don't think. I don't, but I, I'm pretty sure, pretty sure it's still very similar um, out, the outtakes now would be similar to the old ones. So when I was editing, I messaged May from last week's episode and I said to her, like, she was so easy to edit her. She didn't say, um, every three words like I do. Or I and, do. <laughs> and she did a, she did it like laugh really loudly or go up and down in volume. I, one of the episodes that I that I edited where we had a guest, the guest was up and down in volume all the time and that was really hard to edit. So it's like, it's like you know, two, two hours to edit a half-hour episode. But with the episode with May, both of you, you hardly made mistakes and May made, like I think, tw- two mistakes and she like would fall over her words and then she would stop and there'd be a gap and then she would say it again like perfectly and it's like I was like oh, and I messaged her and I said you're so easy to edit it was it was a delight the thing but that then, and then is, I don't want to listen to myself again I just want you to do it with her all the time <laughs> the thing that was hilarious is that 
I've done enough interviews now that I have this whole spiel that I give them before we start and I say try and sit straight, stay the same distance away from your microphone. Mm -hmm. If you make a mistake, leave a pause straight afterwards so it's easy to cut out. You know, so I try and give them all these tips. So she she was a bit hesitant. Um, I think it might have been her first podcast recording and she was, you know, amazing. And then mm. I said to Beck, oh, this will be a great one this week, good one to edit. And then Beck texts me like two <laughs> seconds into editing and says, you haven't got your microphone connected. So it's recording with your computer audio. And I'm like, oh, how embarrassing. <laughs> like I've given her all these tips because now I've done almost 100 episodes and she sounds flawless and I sound like I'm sitting in the toilet. Yeah, you're in the Milo tin. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. But yeah. Yeah. This is the other um, stuff that Beck edits out, the bit where we just ramble off and forget what we're supposed to be yeah. talking about. Yeah, we'll leave this in this time. Mm. You're welcome. Let the, Yeah, you're welcome. Let, they'll feel more grateful for next week's where it's a little bit more concise and, yeah. and efficient. We do get people praising us for getting straight to the point, so perhaps we should actually do that. Okay, well, we're going to start off with some life hacks. We were going to do an entire episode on this, but... I don't know if we have enough life hacks to fill a whole episode. Yeah. Or if we do, I think you and I find them too boring to get excited about them for a whole episode. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. We just, we'd rather solve specific problems, I think. But this is, this is fun too. Right. So you start us off, Beck. What's one of yours? Okay. So we're just going to go random order here. But one of my favorites is to cook with a sink full of soapy water and wash your stuff as you go. Uh, then you get less washing up later and if you do have something that is a bit sticky or a bit yucky you can just soak it in there while you have your dinner and then start again afterwards and it'll take less time to to clean up I like that idea but it wouldn't work for me because I make my husband do the dishes after dinner and he's not home when I'm cooking so if I did that I would end up doing then you would end up doing the dishes (laughs) he would love it I would not let him listen to this episode but (laughs) Uh, I think it's a really good idea. I, you know what? I'll try it when I cook on my own. Yeah, when you, when he's not going to be home or when he's away, give it a, give it a try. Because if you're going to be the one that has to do the dishes, it actually yeah, it actually works through. I don't do it all the time. I forget sometimes, or I'm just I don't know, just madly cooking too quickly to think about it. But if I think about it, it's it's definitely it's definitely worth it. Um, okay, so the next one is another one. Um, in the kitchen and that's double uh, cooking double batches of food so I think this is in lots of efficiency and organizing things uh, so it's not something I invented to say the least but if you are making something that freezes well then definitely make double batch of it so if you've got a stew or a soup or um, well, anything really uh, that freezes okay like you probably rice doesn't freeze like cooked rice doesn't freeze okay so if you sort of did fried rice that probably wouldn't be that great but for the most part you can cook a double batch of most things that you make and you can freeze or refrigerate it for the next week or the next month or the next day yeah just pop a piece of tape on there with the date yeah. that it was cooked and what it is because i have a few mystery meals come out of the freezer <laughs> occasionally if i forget to do that and yeah. I think for so long I was waiting for like a good labelling system and then it was like, no, just a piece of sticky tape right mm. on there with a permanent marker and the date that you put it in because mm. if you do it, you know, frequently, 
Mm. Um, We've got, I've got um, silicon, reusable silicon Ziplocs. Mm -hmm. And they work for, obviously they don't work for really sloppy things, but actually you can put liquids in them and it's fine. So I have frozen liquids in there, but most of the things that I freeze in there are um, meat portions, um, uncooked meat portions and stuff like that if I'm freezing. But you can write on those with a dry erase marker. Mm. And then you just they it just when you wash it it just sort of washes off then so dry erase markers can work on plastic or on silicon too. Very good. Okay, my first hack is to have a drawer or a bag or a box for things to be donated on the go at all times because it's that whole notion of you might put your hands on something and think I don't really need that but no, oh, I haven't got, I've got a bag out or where do I put it or where does it go? And you'll just put it back in the cupboard or back in your drawer or whatever. So if you know you have a place, um, I think I've mentioned this before. I've got a, a drawer in our spare room, which has a couple of bags in it that are our charity or donation bags. And I think it's important to keep them out of sight, especially if you've got kids, because if they're happy to part with something or you've decided that they're parting with something, if you can keep them out of sight, then they won't go through it and pull it all back out. Um, hmm. And I will put things in there as I go, like I'll finish a book. I might text a couple of people, see if anyone wants to borrow it if, or wants to have it and then pass it on to someone else. If they don't, I just put it all straight in that drawer. Um, same with like kitchen gadgets that I think, oh, this is a waste. You know, I just kind of have that filter on it all times thinking, do I want this? Do I love this? Do I use this? And then if not, it all goes in that drawer. So I think having a space, a designated space, and let the people in your family know where that is too. Um, it's like a fast mm. track, super highway out of your house. Yeah, and it doesn't have to, you don't have to make the decision three more times when you find it in other places where you've put it just for now until I can get to the charity because mm-hmm. that happens as well. Like, I'll just stick it here, you know, and then three weeks later you're like, what was I doing with that? And then you have to make the decision all over again about whether it stays or goes. Uh, ours isn't very – I need to work I need to work on our spot because it's not very tidy and we pretty much, and like you, constantly have the that – that editing in editing mode Mm -hmm. so I'm constantly like whenever I pull something out I'll be like well why have I have why have I got this or this isn't working anymore whatever and so I'll put it in the donation pile but our donation pile is actually just our front hallway our front entrance Mm -hmm. and if we didn't get rid of much stuff then that would be okay but pretty much there's something constantly waiting to be donated so there's always clutter in the entry hallway so I've been thinking about what can I put there instead and I might just get a nice cane basket with a lid and put that there and then it can be hidden a bit like yeah. it'll look nice but yeah that's our spot and everyone knows if they've got something to be donated they just stick it out in the hallway and sometimes a whole box will go there and other times it'll be just one thing that goes I've got a vintage telephone stand you know the seat and the stand mm-hmm. I've got one of those and it's got a plant on the stand but there's nothing on the seat so the seat has pretty much always got like donations on it and it would just look nice and cleaner if it didn't <laughs> so I think I'll have to get a basket or something mm. and look for us occasionally something will rock up there like the kids will choose something bigger that won't necessarily fit mm. in it and then they in just the lean it up against the <laughs> the drawers but that's fine mm. when it gets to that point then I usually go okay I'll do a Time to put it in the car. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, what's next, Beck? Um, I've got an iron-as-you-go one. So 
I don't think we've done an episode on this, but I have talked about it before about how I don't have an ironing basket. And you and I are very different with our ironing. <laughs> yeah. You have your ironing and your routine and it all works really well for you and you get to watch your bold and the beautiful. Well, but then COVID happened. There hasn't been episodes on for like six months. Really? Hmm. I think they it's stopped. On in the, they, I think it's doing, on in the mornings or are they doing I reruns? I think they're doing reruns of old episodes. I've seen it on in the mornings. Uh, but you yeah. know what? It's broken my habit. I don't even miss it. It's like I've gone oh. cold turkey. So... Yeah. I mean, I've had. What are you going to watch when you do your ironing now, though? Now I watch it. I watch it. I do it on a Sunday night when everyone goes to bed, and I watch cheesy Hallmark shows on Netflix, like Chesapeake Shores or Sweet Magnolias, like really sickly sweet shows. Yeah, quality, but it gets my ironing done. Well, it's the same genre, so (laughs) yeah, not quite as many long pauses and pauses. And not as the many weddings, but looks. that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah there's, there's many weddings. That's the thing. I've like Mick flicks sometimes in the mornings while he's having his breakfast. And I've seen, like, because I've never watched Bold and the Beautiful, really. And I didn't even know Denise Richards was on it. She walked out and I went, oh, my God, Denise Richards is on Bold and the Beautiful. That's how little I know. And, um, but, yeah, I discovered that recently Ridge is married to... Denise Richards and she he's not meant to be and that's a whole big drama but I don't know anything more than that because I've watched three seconds at a time until he changes the channel it's probably all you need to know to keep up three seconds worth probably is all yeah because that will last me um a few months before some things change I think um so yeah so ironing um again we've gone off topic nicely again but what I do is I iron as I go. So after I wash everything, um, it comes off the line, it lays flat or it gets hung immediately. And if it needs a, an iron, I iron it before I use it. So what I do is if I have the time, if I'm not racing around in the morning, when I need one shirt, for example, I will grab two and I will iron two and stick the other one back in the cupboard and wear, wear the other one. So that just means that there's this one less time I have to pull the iron out um, when, when the next shirt needs to be worn. Hmm. So iron two pieces when you need one. Very good. Oh, I can see the notes for Beck's next tip. I like this. Go for it. Tell us about that one. Ah. Okay, I haven't even read that one yet. Uh, oh, yes, this one. I've started doing this because... I'm a bit, I lack attention to detail. So when I write my shopping list, I I have an attention to detail issue and I know that I'm well aware of it. So what I do is I take a photo of my fridge and the contents of it and a photo of my pantry and the contents of that so that if I'm going through the supermarket and I'm like, oh, did I need stock? I know I haven't written it down, but that could just be because I'm forgetful and I have a poor attention to detail. Do I need chicken stock so then I can look at my picture of my pantry and go oh yes I do or oh no I don't so it stops me from accidentally overbuying just in case items very good well that kind of goes perfectly onto my next hack which is about using your phone mm. for storing all sorts of very forgettable information so I have a whole encyclopedia in my phone stuff mm. like the color of paint on our walls in our house so I've got the brand and the color and the tint number and all the kind of stuff because if I wanted to do something or to touch something up, then I don't have to go no. scrounging around. I've just got it stored. And um, I've got a photo of our printer ink cartridges. So again, if I need to go buy printer ink, I know exactly what it is, what you know, serial number or whatever it is. 
Um, I keep lists in there of books to buy or read someday. So when people suggest to me that I should read something, I'll keep it in my phone. I keep birthday lists in there. I keep kids and my husband's like shoe size, clothes size, especially like my husband's um, like shirt size and pants size because they're not I don't understand men's sizing. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. I was going to say, I've been with Mick for, what, 23 years now, and I probably don't know his pants size because <laughs> yep. I've never it's never committed to memory. Plus, he does a lot of his own shopping, but still, I probably should write that down somewhere. So it's that whole idea that you use your brain more for processing than for storage. So instead of carrying yep. all this stuff around in your head, and you know what? way back when you might have all written this in a little notebook that you kept in your handbag but now that we have phones you can just take pictures of stuff that you think I'll need to know that at some point take a photo Mm. create a folder of miscellaneous but important information or whatever um, and keep it so make the most of your phone by putting all those random little things in there so you just use the photos app to organize them you don't store them in another app like Evernote or anything like that. I've got notes and I've got photos if it's something that okay. I need that I would want a visual of. But if it's... And you just store it in the photos app. Yep. You don't bother putting it anywhere else. Okay, cool. Uh, okay, so we probably should have organised these tips because we've just brain dumped them and we're jumping back into the kitchen again. <laughs> I love that all of your tips so far are kitchen... Oh, no, the ironing one isn't. But isn't I? I yeah. love kitchen-based stuff. Yeah. I'm not quite sure why. I must have been in the mood when I was right there. But I do spend a lot of time in the kitchen. So my next tip is about meal planning. And this one is where when you're planning your meals, I tend to just write down six meals and then randomly have them on whatever night I feel like it. But if I'm needing to be efficient or if I need to uh, save a bit of time, uh, what you can do is pick complementary meals that uses part of what the other meal might use so you know if you've got like if we do um one night we might have bolognese on the menu so then the next night i might do baked potatoes so that we can have the leftover bolognese sauce on the baked potatoes uh, so it's you sort of use up leftovers and stuff like that. Um, so, or if you have a curry on Monday, you can do twice the rice and then use the rice the next day for a fried rice meal. Um, so then you don't have to cook the rice the next day because you've already made it when you to have it with your curry. If that all makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Um, for those of you that have ever wondered why we haven't done an episode on meal planning, I think it was probably <laughs> confession <to> be. time. <laughs> Uh, within the first, you know, maybe 50 episodes. But I am still very, very slowly working on a meal planning course. And I keep saying to Beck, we can't do meal plan because it will come up as an episode that's next to prep. And I'll be like, yep, I'm just going to move that back down the list by another 20 episodes. (laughs) And by then I might have finished my course and then I can talk about the stuff that I've put in my course in the meal planning episode. And that hasn't happened. And so we will do I'll try and do um, meal planning before. You know what we need to do is we need to you need to commit right now to the world when you're going to release your course and you're going to tell everyone and that will make you do it because then you'll be accountable. Oh, I can't do that. <laughs> She's too scared. 
Uh, I did it. That's that's how I got my uncluttered kids course out because I'd spent 18 months fluffing about developing it. And and it was only when I decided to set a launch date before it was finished that it actually got finished. Oh, I have to keep you posted because we should find (laughs) out in the next week or two if we're moving. Mm -hmm. And if we do, we're going to do an episode on moving. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But so if we end up moving between now and Christmas, the course will be reshuffled back to the bottom of my list for another six to nine months (laughs) so but yes that's the confession that's why there's no meal planning um episode episode yet but it will come so my probably this is my biggest this was the only life hack i could think of when beck first said let's do some life hacks i was like i only have one hack in my life that is worth even talking about and it is my nightly three minute tidy and I've talked about this before, but I'm usually, not usually, I am always every night of the week, the last person in my house to go to bed. And our dog sleeps inside on his bed, but I'm a bit of a softy and I like to make sure he's warm. So he has this little heat pack thing that goes in the microwave and you warm it up and then you put it on his bed and it stays at whatever temperature, like 50 degrees for 12 hours so it means he's nice and warm and the good part is it means he doesn't come and sleep on our bed or the kids beds or anything because he's got his little warm pack on his bed anyway i need one of those packs because pickles has got arthritis i think that would be good for her yeah i'll have to remind me to ask you later about that yeah sure um so it goes in the microwave for three minutes so this started uh i guess how old is the dog four probably four years ago, I would put it in the microwave for three minutes and then stand around in the kitchen, like (laughs) waiting, waiting for the time to tick down. And then I started thinking, I'll, I'll just tidy up. And now it's like my three minutes of power. I do more housework in those three minutes than I do in the rest of the day. I will. Because you're racing the clock. Yeah. And I will put things away. Like if I've folded washing, I'll put, put washing away in people's rooms. I'll, you know, the sunglasses, the pen, the homework book, the stuff that gets left on the kitchen bench, I always tidy it. So by the time that buzzer goes off, the plan is that my kitchen bench is tidy. If there's clean dishes that are stacked on the sink that, are dry but haven't been put away I'll do that sometimes I'll put the dishwasher on or I'll put washing in the um, washing machine ready to put on in the morning Um, but I just that three minutes I do I'm so efficient I'm like a machine now if you imagine that (laughs) police officer from the Terminator movies do you remember him he was like some kind of and he had this amazing running style oh yes I, yep, I know yeah and he had like the straight his hands and stuff yeah, yeah i know the one yeah that's me yeah. that's what terminator i look like two. terminator 2 yeah that, yeah that's what i look like for three minutes at about yeah. 11 o'clock each night <laughs> racing around my house doing but that honestly it's the best because every morning then we get mm. up and all the little bits of stuff that just hang around they're done i fluff the pillows i put the throw rugs over the couches everything goes away yeah. so nothing accumulates yeah and I, because like none of that's a problem at the time. Like like you said, it's just a pen or it's just a throw rug in the wrong spot. But over time, those things build up. Yeah. And yeah. And, and you know when I notice it, I notice it when we're on holidays, because I just go to bed because I don't have a dog with us on holidays. Mm. And I get up the next morning, I'm like, why is there so much stuff on the bench? How come there's still my teacup on the coffee table? How come that you know like the shoes scattered mm. about on the, you know. 
um, bathroom floor or whatever. But it's because I don't do that kind of sweep of the house mm. in the evening like I do when I'm um, at home. So, yeah, that's my biggest and best hack. So I'm thinking three minutes is about the length of a song too. Mm. So if you didn't have a heat pack to heat up, you could put a favourite song on and try and beat the song maybe as well. Yep. We used to do that with the kids, some bananas in pyjamas, tidy up song. Oh, yes, that's right. Mm, yeah, That worked for them yep. too. So you could try it with your kids before bedtime, like a bedtime song, although you probably don't mm. want them terminated to style racing around the house right before bed but it's fine for me because I will go to bed and then read so you know get my heart rate up and (laughs) yeah and then it goes back down again yeah but um let us know if you if you give it a try yeah I um I do a similar thing I sort of pack up and put away and I, I have like my my watch goes off and um to trigger my evening routine at 8 30 and if I'm like halfway through something, when I, if I'm working and I'm halfway through something, I'll just put it off and then I won't do it at all or I'll do it kind of late and only half do it. But there's quite a few things in that routine and it's, you know, taking off my makeup, putting my pyjamas on because I thought if I make a lot mess, less mess in my bedroom if I put my pyjamas on and put my clothes away before everyone's in bed. Mm-hmm. Because if Mick's already in bed, I just change in the dark and things get thrown around and then I have to clean it up the next day. Whereas if I go and I get changed and the light can be on and I can potter around and do things, I can put away my clothes and, and all of that. Then when I wake up, my room is still tidy. So, but I do like, and then I have a cup of tea and there's a few different things that I do. And, um, but I, mine goes over like, I've had to like a half hour routine rather than that three minutes where I just sort of do one thing after the other. But I do notice when I, the night, the days are, the mornings after I've ignored it, then I do can tell the difference because, yeah, like the dishes aren't done or the bench isn't clear, one of the two, and there's clothes all over the end of my bed in the bedroom and little things like that. Mm. So it's definitely, I notice the difference when I don't do it as to when I do. Okay, I've got one more little housey-worky hack, um, and that is I notice and I used to do this myself, that people take the clothes off the line and they kind of just throw them in the basket or they take them out of the dryer and they just throw them in the basket and then they go, oh, I'll fold that later or I'll hang that later. And what happens is that the things that are thrown in the basket get crumpled. And so my sort of time-saving hack, I suppose, is to not put things in the basket in a bunch or randomly so if they're going to be pants or if they're going to be folded things you fold them into the basket straight away or you at least kind of drape them smoothly instead of throwing them in the bunch and anything that's ultimately got to be ironed and it's going to be hung to lay that over the top of the basket instead of throwing it in and you'll actually find that you do a lot less ironing you still have to iron lots of them but you end up uh, almost halving your ironing time and effort if you uh, don't let them get crumpled up in the basket while they wait to be put away that's a good tip i'm not great with that you fold yours to go into into the laundry basket, though, into the ironing basket, though, don't you? Or are they yeah, in your ironing but basket I go, in crump bunches? I go clothesline, throw it into the basket, and then when I'm folding, I will fold it and then put it in the 
ironing basket. The, yeah. But it depends. And so if, I, if there's like four days or a week between that happening, you'll get really – I know that wouldn't happen to you, <laughs> but other people. <laughs> you should, those of you that four can't days. see her face now, she just freaked out completely. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, there are people who would – especially if they've got three or four baskets, take them off the line and it would be a week before they get to fold yeah. them. So that's when they get all bunchy and wrinkly. So if you do leave your things in the basket for a bit of a t- bit of time, and again, totally fine if you do that, it's up to you, but it will be easier for you to iron and fold if, um, if you put it in there in a flat way rather than a bunched up, scrunched up way. Very good. So I, that brings us to the end of our little hacks that we could think of. Maybe by our two hundredth, we'll have some. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't actually, you know, remember to write all of the hacks down as we thought of them. I think, but you know, we've got a few there. Um, so we popped uh, the question up in our Facebook community. Oh, you know what? It was probably six weeks ago now, maybe. Um, asking the community members if they had any questions for us and can I just say if you're not a member of that and you are someone that hangs out on Facebook you need to come and join because there's a really awesome Mm. group of people in there and even this month um, someone had asked me about whether I would do you know it's uh, start of September it's spring in Australia whether I would do a September version of the men's game and I was like oh no look I don't really have that much to get rid of oh maybe oh look I'll just see if anyone in the community wants to do it and now I'm like oh I'm in I'm all in and all these (laughs) other people are in and I'm like this is brilliant okay photos let's go it's good so um it's amazing how people in there motivate each other uh, and come Mm. up with some really good ideas as well so yeah it's a supportive it's a really supportive and positive group yeah great so the first question we got asked in that group to answer today was from crystal thank you crystal she says how do you get your significant other to declutter stuff my boyfriend has a ton of books he wants to keep but he won't even look at most of them again we don't live together yet but will in the near future they're the one thing he's not really willing to part with i'm totally a minimalist neat freak and he's not so Beck, mm-hmm. how are we going to help Crystal? Okay, find, just um, find a new boyfriend, Crystal. <laughs> find another, find a neat one. Uh, well, I was actually thinking, if books is the only thing he won't part with, then that's a huge plus because if you've got a neat freak with someone who wants to keep everything of every category, that's a recipe for disaster. But I think you can meet in the middle here, and I think you can do that simply by both of you compromising a certain degree, which is basically what living together is. <laughs> it's all, um, uh, especially if you've got different personalities. I like my husband and I are po- poles apart personality wise. And so our life is a constant series of compromises of, you know, me giving this much and then him giving a bit more next time and then me giving a little bit and then him giving it so that we can sort of both be moderately, you know, happy with whatever the arrangement is. And I think if you, uh, talk openly about it and both work out what each other's positions are and both respect each other's positions because just because he doesn't get rid of anything and you do doesn't mean he's wrong and you're right 
And it doesn't mean the opposite either. It doesn't mean that you're wrong and he's right. It just means that you're both different and both have perfectly valid positions and perfectly valid feelings on those positions. So I think the first step is to understand that it's normal to want to keep things and it's normal to want to throw things out. It's not like both both of those positions are normal. And so I think that talking about it and coming up before you move in together a plan for dealing with that very good do you want to yeah there's probably more to say but I'm going to let you talk for a second the other thing I would say is lead a little bit by example if you want him to lean into your minimalist lifestyle just show him the benefits by doing what you do Um, he might see that it's easier for you to move in than it is for him to move in. It's easier for you to unpack your stuff than it is for him to unpack his because you've got less of it. Um, And it's funny because, Beck, I know that you were not quite the same as Mick when you moved in with him and you changed some of your organising habits and stuff. And my my husband... I didn't have any... (laughs) My husband was, um, he was a bit of a keeper of stuff and he was, he was also much more, he'd buy quality and then not churn through stuff like I would when we first met, but I was very good at letting go. And over time he's, there's no even question anymore. He's like, what are the, what are these piles of stuff doing around the house? And I'm like, I'm a men's game. I'm back in the zone. And so mm-hmm. then last night he goes into his wardrobe and grabs a couple of shirts and goes, here's, here you go, here's my contribution. So it's like, I guess they see what you're doing. They see the lightness that you get from it um, and how good it feels to let go. And sometimes they just want to buy into that. So I think staying in your lane a little bit is good. The other thing is that I would say is if if you would if there's something that's really bothering you that you'd like him to, to part with – instead of just um, flat out suggesting that he throw out his stuff or give away his books, ask him a few probing questions that might just allow him to think. He might ruminate on them for a while. Like, when was the last time you looked at all those uni books you've got there? And just let him, and if he says, oh, I haven't looked at them since I finished uni, cool, walk away, just leave it there. And it's not necessarily about game playing. It's just about planting the idea in his head that might, it might bounce off and he might not think about it again, but it might penetrate and he might think, actually, yeah, it's a good point. I haven't looked at them for ages. Or, you know, so what what are you keeping these books for exactly? What's your plan for them in the future? You know, those kind of like slightly probing questions that might just um, help him to, mm-hmm. to see that there's not much value in holding on to some of these things. Yeah. I mean, it might have the opposite effect as well. And, <laughs> yeah, you know. might grab them all like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you saying? don't touch my stuff uh and that's the that's the thing i think uh we can't make somebody throw away their stuff we can only inspire them to do what's most helpful for them and for you as a family or a couple and i think sometimes when you've got two different personalities one one person will tend to want to change the other and i think that 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 can be a bit problematic because we don't have really any rights to change the way somebody does something and 
probably what we're best to do is to work out a way that you can both be happy and if that means he has a whole room just for books in the next place that you don't have to go in and look at then that could be an option Uh, or it could be that you both sit down and say all right this is how much space we have this is how much space we have we can allocate to clothes appliances food paperwork books um, cleaning products spare linen you know all of those different categories that you have of belongings and allocate a certain amount of space to those and that can then you know mean that people the people that want to keep things are able to keep the things that make them happy to a point at which uh while it's to a point before it gets to be unhelpful um as far as space management goes in the house um and then the person who wants less in the house uh, also feels heard and understood because boundaries are being um, set and stuck to. And so there's some comfort there because I know that people who don't like too much stuff in the house, when they're with someone who collects, there is that fear that the the excess will bleed into their own living environments and affect their own the way they feel in their own home. And so if you can agree on some boundaries, then both can feel comfortable and feel respected. Uh, I think that that's always worth aiming for. Very good. Okay. Let us know how you go, Crystal, when you move in and how it all works out, how your conversations go. Please don't dump him. Ignore my original uh, advice. Um, yeah, the poor bugger. So our next question is from Vicky. She asks, how do you encourage kids, especially stubborn teenagers, to declutter, organize, and look after their stuff when dealing with a particularly stubborn hoarder in denial? All right, Beck. I'm just. You've got my whole course is about this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just I'm doing the um, raising uncluttered kids course, which talks about encouraging kids to manage their space well. So this is right in my wheelhouse right now. And also, yes, I have teenagers. For me, I started before they got to teenagers, so I don't necessarily have to do any encouraging on that anymore they already have the habits and they have the desire to do that. Ethan did a massive declutter within the last six months or so. And he is a, you know, sort of calls himself a bit of a minimalist now, which he used to be the opposite of and collected sticks and bits of foam he found on the ground and (laughs) you name it, he collected it. Um, And now he's just got nothing in his room really. Uh, whatever he does have in his room is always strewn all over the floor, but it's usually like a school bag, a sports bag, clothes, and a mug from his Milo or something like that. But um, so there's not much there, but you know, as being a teenager, he still can leave it around. And then Zoe's recently said that she's doing a big declutter of her bedroom as well. She's always been low clutter anyway, but she's going to do a major one soon. So she's getting excited about that. Um, so my kids are already at the point where they're used to doing this because we've done it from when they were little. But if you, I guess it depends on what their resistance is, is um, the resistance is based on. Is it just that they find it too much hard work and they don't want to do the work? Is it that they are sentimentally attached to things and therefore find it emotionally difficult? Is it that they don't know how to categorize and and group and use storage? 
Is it that they are naturally disorganized uh, or maybe have a neurodiversity such as ASD or ADHD that can affect um, some of their executive functioning, which makes it then a bit more difficult and they get more easily overwhelmed? So there's all kinds of different reasons why you would get resistance. And some of it is just, I want I want it to, I don't want to do what you want me to do because I'm a teenager and I just resist, you know, um, change or I resist doing what you tell me to do because I've got this growing independence and I don't want to follow what you tell me anymore. So there's all like these different reasons. And so I think that the how can, will depend on that. So there's lots of different, different options that I would talk about and lots of different ways that I would work with them but probably the biggest one to use would be boundaries and uh, not consequences but prerequisites so again depending on how old your teenager if your teenager is 17 or 18 it's a bit harder if they're 13 or 14 it's a bit easier where you have certain boundaries of okay um, nothing can be on the floor and um, no food under the bed and you know those kinds of things and if any of that happens then you don't get access to your privileges until it's done you can sort of do those kinds of things so that's not really encouraging them so much as compelling them um, to do it and so again that's just if they're resistant on a lower level if there's all of this emotional attachment then that's a slow and steady practice as you go build up that letting go muscle of working with them Uh, so it's it's so hard though because everyone's so different I find this question hard to answer without like a four-hour or or a course (laughs) or a course on it or a four-hour lecture or something because all the kids are so different but I mean you've made some notes on this as well Tara but I just find um yeah I could talk for four hours and actually not say one definitive answer you might be better at this well not really my kids are a bit younger but um the things I wrote down for you Vicky is to find out what their currency is so I guess lots of teenagers are focused around money but maybe it's about time on devices and it might not even be that you take a device away from them but that the wi-fi gets switched off or something like that (laughs) I was just going to say that because when they get older it's very difficult to it, just, it becomes really tiring and exhausting constantly monitoring their screen time. Mm-hmm. And it's easier just to say the Wi-Fi is going off between three and five and it'll go back on at five o'clock if you've, you know, done something with your room or you've put all your clothes in the dirty clothes or something like that. Yep. Um, maybe it's borrowing the car or something like that. Um, so work out what motivates them and... I would always suggest trying to reward them when they let go of stuff or they're trying to yeah. reorganize because rewards are usually a bigger motivator than punishment. Yeah, um, I agree. And has less pushback, you know, when you punish. Well, from what I hear and what my tween is starting to display <laughs> is that punishment just brings up a whole lot of other stuff with it where reward, it seems really simple and easier yeah, to no, remember I, because I a punishment comes with a well you're trying to be mean to me da, 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 da. like all this other stuff comes into it where if it's just a reward it's like ah, huh, okay cool there's no, no extra emotional baggage goes along with getting a reward for yeah. doing the right thing um so yeah. the message doesn't get lost um 
The other thing I've said here is be prepared to let them fail because I see this Mm, all too often is that parents will jump in when a kid loses something, breaks something, and the parent will jump in to replace it. Or, you know, like my kids both are motivated at the moment massively with sport and timing and they hate being late. But I'm like, we'll say 15 minutes before we're due to go, I'm ready to go. And this is, for us, this is all about time management at the moment. But I'm ready to go when you are. You let me know when you're ready to leave. And if my kids are mucking around or got their face in their device and forget to look up and check the time, we are late. And that is not my problem. (laughs) That is their problem. (laughs) But so many parents, because they love their kids so much, don't want to see them fail. They don't want them to... Uh, go to school without their homework book because it's lost under the pile of clothes on the floor or they don't want them to wear last week's stinky soccer kit again this week because it never got put in the wash basket but the problem is kids learn so much more through failing than they because otherwise they grow up with this mentality of oh it doesn't matter because mum will be two steps behind me or dad will be Mm. two steps behind me sweeping up and picking up all my mistakes so I can never fail. And it's like, it doesn't take them too many failures before they figure out that that the responsibility lies with them. So I would try <laughs> as hard as you can, pour yourself a cup of tea, get a biscuit, sit back and watch the failure happen and hold your tongue. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and if, they, if, they stand on, if they stand on their laptop because it's on the floor under clothes, then they pay to get that laptop placed in some way or another. You know, mm-hmm. they... If they if if they're late for school, they deal with the detention or whatever it is that they have to deal with. If they don't have a clean uniform jumper to wear and they wear something else, they deal with getting in trouble at school. Uh, you don't have to deal with that. And um, like you said, that you know they're smart. They they figure out pretty quickly that these natural consequences. Um, they would rather not have them and so they work a little bit harder uh, in order to avoid them so they have to fail in order to learn how to avoid failures and even you know you can plant the seed a bit if if it's getting to the point where their room is just vile let them know that um, you'll be giving them a bill for the mold treatment or the you know Mm. whatever fumigation or whatever you don't need to say (laughs) Uh, you have to pick up everything on your floor. Da, 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 da. Just say, look, because of that scenario, we're going to have to get your room sprayed um, and that will be coming out of your pocket money or whatever you earn this week. Uh, you can pay it off in installments over the next month. It'll cost you $125 or whatever it is. But, like, hmm. you can take the emotion out of it. Just be really matter of fact. This is the action. You choose not to clean up. Yeah. This is the consequence, but you have to pay for that. Um, yeah. And those things... Combined with a bit of that whole leading by example, and then you just hope that at some point in their life something sticks. Yeah. And, like, with Vicky, like she said, she's dealing with uh, a teenager that, that seems to be hoarding and seems to be in denial. That that is, a, that is a bit tricky, especially the denial of, no, there's nothing wrong, I don't need to change. And I think that the leading by example works well, but sometimes mm. you know, teenagers would rather do the opposite of what their parents are doing. And so leading by example works really well in the younger years because you can model um, and then it kind of bleeds into the teens. But if you've already got there, then uh, I think slow and steady working with them, setting boundaries, having certain expectations, 
Um, you know, if you've got a child who refuses to let go of anything, then one of the remedies for not making it worse is that they don't get anything anymore. So, you know, one thing to say to that teenager is you've exceeded the boundaries of your storage and the space allocated to you for your stuff. So all of the things that um, would you would normally get given, like birthdays, Christmas or whenever, all of those things are going to stop and you'll receive um, experiences or um, consumable things uh, until your room is at the appropriate level and everything has a home and everything fits in that home. And um, so I think if you've got someone who finds it really hard to let go, definitely stop giving them stuff uh, or letting them have stuff because it's just more that they're going to then find hard to let go later and then start practicing that letting go muscle using boundaries saying okay how many are enough of um, football cards for example how many are enough do we want one tub of football cards or do we want two tubs of football cards and then they have to get rid of whatever won't fit in that boundary um, or they want to keep all the football cards but they're willing to part with more clothes so that they can fit the football cards in then you call the clothes but it's if you've got a child who is hoarding, it's a do it with them, do it slowly, um, build up that muscle kind of exercise, I guess. It's a long-term thing. It's a bit of a marathon, not a sprint, I think. Very good. Okay, now we have a question from a different Vicky uh, with different spelling. This Vicky <laughs> asks, are there any moods or emotions that you think are better or worse to use for motivation to declutter? Mm. sounds like have you done an angry declutter before tara yeah i do it i do a declutter with every emotion i'm like i'm uncertain <laughs> i'm going to control what i can control i'm declutter i'm happy i'm going to declutter i'm so sad i'm going to declutter I, for me i think decluttering is the constant then the moods just fluctuate it's your panacea it. yeah it solves all what about solves what about problems. you um yeah i I have I'm pretty steady as far as like what emotions I declutter under but I will say that um I when I'm feeling like excited about something or optimistic about something I kind of want to do more like of that excitement so I like I declutter then so if I'm looking forward to like like for example if I'm bringing out my clothes to pack for a holiday it's like the middle of winter i'm packing for a summer holiday i'll get all excited and i'll start decluttering things then mm-hmm. so i'm like oh something new something fresh you like and it kind of the theme blends it bleeds in then and i'm like you know i mean this mindset of fresh and new and exciting and then i pull out an old coat and i'm like no that's not fresh and new and exciting that can go <laughs> so i sort of you know get a bit sort of caught up in all of that so i kind of get in the i get a bit excited and to, at new beginnings and new things so you know i'm getting a new car um, in a couple of weeks and I, I know that the stuff that when I move stuff from my old car to the new car there'll be stuff that goes because I'll be like no you're not good enough for the new car so I'll be <laughs> ditching that I think that's what happens with me with moving as well yeah. is that it's like ah oh, no you're not worthy of the new house you're not worthy <laughs> of the new location you stay here my new perfect yeah, life yeah you know it's going to be all perfect which means you're not good enough for it so you can go so <laughs> yeah that's I move it like that yeah I would say avoid decluttering when you're angry especially if you've yeah. had a fight with someone 
Um, and especially if you're decluttering someone else's stuff. <laughs> yeah, definitely don't do that. Um, because you might just when you're angry, you might be more callous or more ruthless than you would be because you're like, I don't care about anything that, you know, the world's mm. done me wrong. And so why should I care about this? Da, 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 you know, like that kind of thing. So mm. I would say if you're angry, go for a walk, calm yourself down first. And um, yeah, yeah. Angry decluttering can often cause uh, regret later on. Yeah. When you sort of go, oh, I probably shouldn't have parted with that. It was, it's almost like, you know, when you say something you shouldn't say when you're angry as well. It's like, oops. Yeah. You know. um, you so decluttering filter, is, is the thing. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, so, yeah, I would agree to to not, not do it when you're angry, especially if you're angry with your kids and you're sick and tired of all the stuff everywhere. Do not throw your kids' stuff out without them approving first, no matter how angry you are. Certainly you can box it all up and stick it in the shed, but don't declutter it completely. So um, angry toy decluttering is probably not a good idea either. Um I would say avoid doing it when you're feeling disappointed or rejected or something like that because you might be in that kind of grey mood of thinking I'm worthless and what I've achieved is worthless and I'm no good. And then you think, <clears throat> like if you're in your wardrobe, you might think, oh, I'll never wear that or those, you know, power heels. I'm not – I'll never have a job like that. I'm no good because – someone Mm. dumped me or whatever you know like whatever it is if you're feeling disappointed about something or there's a missed opportunity or whatever I think again you might put yourself in this tiny box or this small place or think of yourself in terms of small and then anything that either represents something from your past that you were proud of or that might represent something from your future that you're hopeful about all goes by the wayside because you kind of see yourself in this little place or in this stuck place um so i'd say avoid that mood as well yeah um i think as well you've you've made a note here of um being careful that you don't do it too soon after um well you said when you're too sentimental but i sort of think we could expand that to be whenever you've experienced something traumatic or upsetting to not rush into doing decluttering at that point Mm -hmm. um so like you said it's if it's immediately following a person's passing or something like that um you might find that uh, there's some some people will be wanting like i know like it's, it's grief is really um interesting in that it affects everybody differently to a large degree and i think there are some people that have rushed to declutter and then because they kind of just wanted to get all the awful feelings over with and and then they're um and then they've regretted that later and then there's others that um you know want to hang on to everything at the beginning um and then you know decide and try at that point while they still want to keep everything and so then it's traumatic for them because they're trying to force themselves to get rid of things they don't want to so i think giving yourself time after a trauma or um grief is is important too rather than trying to tackle it at that point i have a little social experiment that's kind of going on with myself at the moment because earlier in the year in january my nana my mum's mum passed away and i went back to adelaide for the funeral 
and I was only back for five or six days. And so while I was there, I went through my aunties, through my nana's place and they said, oh, is there anything of hers that you would like? Like, let's have a look through some of her things. Um, and you know what? I don't even remember (laughs) what exactly there was, but there was a few things that I collected because they said, you know, have a look while you're here because they weren't necessarily planning to clear out Nana's place for a little while, but I was not but you didn't know planning you to back. be back yeah. anytime soon. So I said, mm. oh, you know, I'd, um, I'd love one of her books. I'd love a teacup of hers. You know, there were a couple of things that I had in mind. But then when we were looking through a house, it was, I have a feeling I might have even kept like a baking tray. Like how absurd, but I think because at the, like it was the day after the funeral and I Mm. was, we'd been talking about how Nana made the best jelly slice. So then it was like, oh, I saw this tray and I was thinking, oh, I want this baking tray and I'll make jelly slice like Nana and da, 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 da. But so because I had, I was flying home. um, So I had this box of stuff and I gave it to my dad and he said, I'll drive it across to you in a, you know, in six weeks or whatever, when I come to visit, then COVID happened border closures mm. and this box of stuff is still sitting in my dad at my dad's house in South Australia and so <laughs> dad said oh there's all the, there's these boxes of stuff here from Nana um that I need to drive across to you at some point when the borders open I'm like I don't even know what's in there anymore and I'm like I'm pretty sure there's a baking tray which now six months later I'm like I don't need my Nana's baking tray but yeah. at the time I was like I need every little scrap of her that I can have so I think it's going to be quite interesting when I open this box and see what I actually decided on. Yeah. But also it's yeah. even just with that passing of that short amount of time, how much more clarity you have about what's really important. Like I would still be, re- I'm really glad mm. I've got one of her teacups coming because that's important. Um, but yeah, the baking tray, I don't think I need. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's funny. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So like you, like, you know, like you said, it's, the timing of something will change the way that you feel about your stuff. And, um, and yeah, that's, but that's a a common, a common thing that clients face is that when someone passes and they get given something or they have to decide what to keep, that they're not in the right frame of mind to make the decision. So they kind of just don't make any decision or they do what you do and keep everything like, not that you did keep everything but you had that mindset of I need everything um and then that can become problematic later on and it becomes you know a bit more challenging once all the stuff is closed up in boxes and unsorted and unorganized it then becomes an overwhelming task and so it sort of hangs around for a long time so yes so I think those are the sort of good and bad moods or emotions and I think uh, if you're feeling positive and happy that's not a bad time to declutter yeah, and look, for me, honestly, I'm good at decluttering in moments of uncertainty and I know it's because I like controlling stuff when I feel out of control and I'm a bit of a control freak. Um, mm. So for me, that whole controlling how many pairs of socks I've got in my sock drawer gives me some sense of um, control, power, I don't know, um, makes Comfort, me feel like I know where security. I'm headed. Yeah. And so, um, but it's never, I don't ever make decisions that I regret. I'm probably just, I'm probably just, I just get into the zone because I think, okay, that, that stuff Mm. out there, I can't control and I need to learn to accept that. 
what can I control? I can control how many pairs of socks I own. So let me have another sift through them and see if I've got some that mm. could be let go of. And yeah, that works for, works for me. Um, so we have one, well, we I have just, two last questions. Was, one that we're going to answer. Um, yeah. So actually before we moved on to the next question, I wanted to say one more mm-hmm. thing on the moods things. I think that if you have set up a system for uh, to have regular habits and regular rules around things leaving your house, it doesn't, the moods and emotions become a little less relevant. So if you've got a one in one out rule, for example, it doesn't matter what mood you're in, you just declutter one when one comes in. Um, if you've got a rule that if the drawer doesn't close properly, that you have to declutter something, again, the emotion isn't relevant it's just a rule this is what we do when the drawer is full we declutter something uh this is what i do when i can't fit 20 when i've got 25 full hangers in my wardrobe uh, and i've got one item of clothing then something has to go because i don't have any other um, hanging space to hang this thing it's a rule and so the emotion kind of just becomes quite irrelevant would yeah i like that because it is so true of i guess that way the action or the situation is motivating the decluttering rather than the mood being Mm. the instigator of it so yeah mm. yeah okay next question um julie needs help organizing deep kitchen cupboards oh don't we all um deep kitchen cupboards are a pain in the neck um everything at the back gets lost or forgotten when i need something i've got to pull everything out at the front oh i've already got ideas julie uh, i'm thinking some type of bin but i'm not sure what would be long enough shelves are only 14 inches wide but 24 inches cheap julie's american uh maybe you could address any deep closet shelves as well how do we organize and keep track of the back items right go tara what's your thoughts <laughs> my initial thought was if things are getting forgotten at the back do you really need them in the first place (laughs) that's a good question (laughs) but then more seriously uh i would say try if you if you don't need all the storage try not filling shelves all the way to the back so sometimes you can put spaces or empty boxes or something in to the back half so that you only fill the front half Um, but if you need all that space then obviously you need to come up with some better storage solutions what do you suggest beck um, so when she said, uh, when I need something, I've got to pull everything out at the front. Uh, my first thought is for deep kitchen cupboards, tubs and trays and baskets are vital. And if they're really deep, you can have um, either the back half or whatever's behind a basket or a tray empty or that's where you can stick the stuff that you hardly ever use so that might be where you put your christmas cookie cutters for example because they only come out once a year or it might be where you put your um cheesecake baking your springform baking tin because you you only use that once every two years or something like that and so those things could go behind and then you use baskets or tubs in front of those to hold all your items so that you what you're doing is you're creating a drawer essentially so that you can pull the things that are at the back of the cupboard forward so that you can reach them properly so tubs baskets trays by by trays i kind of mean low-sided baskets i guess Mm -hmm. would tray is there another word for that tara or am i no tray it's not really a tray it's like a low-sided basket Mm -hmm. Um, they can work really well uh, as well because I I have the same like our pantry 
is our pantry, we've got two pantry cupboards and they're either side of the fridge. Now the fridge is the deepest thing in a kitchen, which most people will find. The cupboards alongside their fridges are the ones that are the deepest. And we have baskets and trays and drawers. So we've got drawers up to say chest height and then above that we've got shelves. And in those shelves are baskets, um, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much all baskets. And so I pull them out and there might be some spare things at the back, spare Tupperware or whatever at the back. But if I want to get the soy sauce, for example, I just pull the tray sort of halfway out and then I can reach in and pull it out um, and then push it back in again. So it works like creating a drawer and that way you can get to the things at the back really easily. If you've got money to throw at the problem, Julie, there's heaps of cool like um, cupboard inserts that you can buy that are like, are almost like drawers as well that you can just they're on little rollers yeah, you can fix them to the cupboard yeah you can pull out or you know um shelf racks that you can pull out things like i hate the corner corner cupboards <laughs> in kitchens um but there are some really cool things that you can get where you pull on them and it swings it around in kind of an arc so you can get to stuff so i've got one of those i'll put if i'll put it in the facebook group to show mm-hmm. julie um so if you, but it doesn't have to be an expensive solution. It can just be, I mean, I bought myself a $9 stepped storage thing the other day because I was so sick of going to find the whatever tin tomatoes. No, it wouldn't be that because I've always got the <laughs> basil pesto, <laughs> my jar of basil pesto. Uh, go And I think oh, I'll grab that out. And then I look amongst all the tins and go oh, I don't have one I was sure there was one at the back oh no it's tomato mm. pesto so then I so I was like right enough's enough I bought the little step storage so that my tins at the back sit up high and then there's a middle shelf and then there's a low shelf and then mm. there's the normal shelf height so I can see so depending what you're keeping you might be able to find some kind of tiered storage as well that the smaller things you can you can put up a little bit higher so you can at least see what they are from the front of the cupboard yeah yeah okay with the um the deep cupboards they they won't work for the deep cupboards so well will they no but it depends if you're putting the stuff at the back that you don't use very often at least you can see what's in there the the stuff because there's nothing more frustrating than going oh no i'm pretty sure those cookie cutters are at the back of this i'll pull everything out oh no no not that one yeah must be a different one well that and that leads me to this is if you're going to put something at the back in maybe a tub or whatever don't put loose stuff at the front you don't want to have to remove 24 bottles of oil and vinegar to get to a basket of cookie cutters at the back you want to pull out one box of stuff stick it on the bench then pull your cookie cutters out then put the box back um and that's where the the whole trays and baskets things works because you don't have to pull individual items out Um, and so that's where i probably wouldn't put the tins in front of something that's at the Mm -hmm. back unless unless it is once yep. a year but if it's once a month you pulling all of your tins out might be unless they're all on the step mm-hmm. like if the step goes right to the front then you could couldn't yep. you because you just pick the whole step shelf up um but if you've got loose ones at all that would be annoying yep. um but and the, yeah the, but i love those steps those step storages are good for that mm-hmm. kind of stuff but and the same thing goes in your wardrobe if you've got baskets and tubs and bins uh, make sure you label them but you can put off-season stuff um, towards the back and then seasonally Mm. rotate them and label it like you know um, winter jumpers or whatever 
push it to the back and bring your summer stuff forward. And then when autumn comes, you might want to rotate them or whatever. But I think Mm. that whole idea of enclosing stuff so it's not just loose and you're not messing things up at the front every time you go diving deep. Yeah. We'll have to pull four things out just to get one other thing Mm. out. You want to be able to just pull, at the most, pull two things out to get something, I reckon. So, yeah. Um, One thing I've said as well which uh, might work or might not, depending how organised you are. Uh, put an inventory on the cupboard door. If there's stuff at the back that you that is getting lost or forgotten that you don't know that's in there, um, like I think of some of our appliances, like our waffle maker gets used occasionally, but it definitely doesn't come out every week. So maybe you put a little inventory on the door and say um, waffle maker, rice cooker, sandwich press uh, blender and maybe the blender sits at the front because you use it every week and then you know that behind that are the other things so if you're looking for them at least you know where they are yeah exactly uh, that that would be, I tried to do an inventory of the freezer <laughs> lasted like a week and I forgot to update it after that so I looked at it recently and went oh I remember doing this <laughs> <laughs> definitely doesn't work for me but um but I really do like that idea um and I also like you can even draw a map of your kitchen and you know have with mm. all of the shots this is what's in this and that would be good for for people looking for things as well as you know where does this go or where does this come from I helped a, a lady with a kitchen last week and she said that one of the difficulties she had was that she, things were where she expected them to be and where it made sense to her but when her mum was over babysitting she had trouble finding things and so you know we had to sort of think about ways that we could make it um easier for her mum to find stuff and but it still be convenient for for my clients so we ended up drawing you know the Mm -hmm. map of this is what's in the kitchen and on what shelf and it didn't take too long to make and it didn't doesn't have to be perfect but it does help people who might be looking for things that you know that that sandwich press for example they would might they might expect the sandwich press to be in the kitchen um but you keep it in the laundry so if you've written down you know sandwich press is in the laundry then they won't be searching through the whole kitchen mm. for it very good so our last question came from suzanne who said could you perhaps tackle decision making tips and tricks being stuck or frozen about an item seemingly great or little consequence especially when decluttering and knowing there are no funds or way to reacquire an item after you let go what length of time is reasonable or healthy for the process of deciding and how do you help someone get unstuck? And we thought that was an entire episode in itself. Yeah. <laughs> we thought if we try and answer that in this episode, it will go for four hours. And yeah. so Suzanne, we, it's yeah, we thank you for your question and you're going to get a whole episode worth of answer to it because it's a pretty big Yeah. And in the meantime, we already have some episodes that have covered some of this. So I might need the I might need it someday episode, um, the sentimental one, uh, sentimental items episode. They're quite early on, so within the first twenty episodes that we did, I think. Um, so those might help you a little bit because they're around decision making. Um, were there any others, Tara? Uh, there's aspirational two? clutter. Oh yes. And then depending on what you need, deciding. Um, yeah, on, different you know, maybe if... if it's craft stuff, we did an episode on crafting. There's a craft episode, yeah. Um, yeah, but I think, yeah, I think we might, we'll do a whole episode on decision making because, 
it's huge mm. we might have two episodes on it <laughs> ah but that brings us to the end of our hundredth episode yes. so a long one this mm. one who would have ever thought and, um, two years ago we would last after those first five episodes we recorded which we have <laughs> talked about going back and re-recording haven't we yeah so the audio is better quality mm-hmm. Because um, I think one of my, did I tell you, Tara, one of my, I think it was one of my friends messaged me when we were about, we were about 20 or 30 episodes in by the time he started. And he messaged me and he said, um, I'm, I'm up to episode four. When does Tara stop sounding like she's recording in the Milo tin? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, hang in there. It's like the next episode, <laughs> you know, because um, you've got a new mic. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was, that was funny. So yeah, we do. We probably and also like we've just we've both evolved as well. It's you know been a couple of years, so we actually might be able to make those episodes better content-wise. Mm. We might not too. You never know, but um, yeah, we might be able to add some more to it that we've that we've forgotten or that we forgot about the first time. So yeah, we probably should get around to that. But I don't know. It's hard enough just keeping up with our regular ones, yeah. isn't it? As to doubling up on ones we've Especially already done. Especially now, so maybe now that not. you know how much other random waffle happens in a normal episode because <laughs> Beck won't cut it all out. <laughs> yep, I promise I'm going to be good and not cut too much. Good? I don't know if that's it. Actually, I don't know whether it's doing you guys a favour or not by not cutting out a lot of this, but we're, it, we'll do, it, it's a special episode. Yeah, but please we'll come back, back next to week normal if programming you later. A, yeah. <laughs> a nice, succinct, concise episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, come back next week, please. We've loved having you for 100 episodes and we love all of the positivity that comes from everybody who listens and people who share the episodes and give us reviews, like good reviews, of course. The bad reviews we can ignore, but (laughs) (laughs) we are very excited to get the good reviews. We like those. They, They make it worthwhile. So thanks again and we will catch you next week. Thanks for joining us. We'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or on social media or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.au.